Hey there, welcome to the What's Your Thing podcast, where we're all about great conversations with interesting people. That's right, I'm Brennan. And I'm Caitlin. There's something awesome about every person, a thing that makes them truly unique. We wanna know what it is about everyone, so we're asking. What's your thing? Episode 11, What's Your Thing pod. I'm one half your host, Brennan. And I'm the other half of your host, Caitlin. We have uh, an awesome person to talk to. It's our first time we've ever had an author. Um, she's an author. She's a business coach. She's a, what else, Brennan? Well, we got author of this book, You're Not Lazy. Let go of what's holding you back so you can enjoy a great life. I'm going to hold it up here so people can see. This was recently released. You can purchase it on Amazon. I've gone through some of it and I think it can benefit me quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Like we've got not only that coach for small business owners, marketing professional, blogger, podcast host. And one thing I loved was advocate for comfortable clothing, not the formal attire. I like the formal attire, uh, but I don't think I could do it every day. And uh, most importantly, we've got a mother of three married and I believe a proud dog owner. That's Lara right. Wellman. Please welcome to the podcast. And if we haven't hit uh, most of it, tell us what's your thing. That was great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> we're we're pretty we're pretty pumped. And like I said, I think you have a lot to offer based on what I've seen so far in this. But please uh, tell us, yeah, what's your thing? What got you started? Well, I really I have a lot of things, but right now my biggest thing is talking about this new book because yeah, you you're right. It came out um, November sixth. Yes, there you're all look at that. Absolutely. It's so brand new. And uh, it's my first book. But it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Because as a coach, I have conversations with people all the time. Um, and so I hear a lot of things come up over and over again. And a lot of them mirrored the kinds of things that I thought and felt and I did a lot of work on myself to try to figure out why I was struggling. And I was like, I think this is just a thing so many people struggle with and I want to talk more about it. I want to share some of my stories and some of my philosophies around it um, because I don't think that lazy is actually a thing but I think that it's a thing we often worry about. It's a thing that we're constantly trying to avoid being and it really can make us feel bad about ourselves. So I think it's a good conversation to have so we can start to change that narrative about who we are and whether or not we're struggling or if we're okay the way we are you and your book have a really cool glossary of terms where you're like i want to expand on that more but do you find this interpretation of lazy because i that's one of my biggest fears is like in a professional environment is having like an imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not qualified for what you're doing but also people's perception of you as if you're being lazy because maybe your skill set if i'm correct comes across completely different from someone who you work with if you're an outgoing person versus someone who's more quiet and reserved and analytical they might look at you and say, oh, what's this person doing? But it's like, oh, if you were just to get in my head, you don't realize I'm trying to deflect this and do this and all this. And and it's just at the end of the day, it's like, I think these people might think I'm lazy, but I'm trying my best. And I don't know. Is that kind of where it... I think there's certainly a lot of that. There's like sort of the two sides of things. One is that we're all taught to go for more, right? Do more. More is better. We want to do as much as possible. And if we want to be seen as successful, we're constantly doing more. And the idea that we wouldn't want to always do more is really foreign to some people, right? The idea that you wouldn't always try to be hustle harder and say like, what's the next big thing I want? If some people don't always want that, 
But we as a society have often been trained that we should always be productive, always be productive, right? What are you doing that's productive? In your world of coaching small businesses, is that like you find people are always kind of with other business like-minded people and they're always trying to compete with each other and outdo each other. It's like, oh, I can do better. And is, is that sort of the thing? Because I feel like you never, I don't know if I was in that position, I, I feel like you'd never be satisfied. There's always more. And then it's kind of doesn't allow you to. Well, you always think everybody's doing it better than you, right? So then you're like, why can't I do it as well as them? Part of it is that whole idea, you know, the shiny thing you see online makes you think that they've got it all together and really nobody does, but you're like, they have it all together and they're doing this and they're doing that. And why can't I do it? And so like all of this like angst comes in and some of what makes things feel so difficult isn't that you can't do it. It's that you're like so tired from all this sort of shame or, you know, like, well, why can't I do what other people do? And that part brings us down too. And if we can even just let go of some of that and not change anything else, we're ahead. So in the book, um, you wrote, stop putting so much focus on the time spent on things instead on the value created. So like, I think that ta- that that really just sums up what we've just been talking about. So like, how how would you tell someone who's struggling it's what you're doing is valuable like what what would value entail to somebody who's struggling with the concept of am i lazy or not there's a lot of different parts to this one of the things that i just i had this conversation with a group of people last week and i said this and they were like oh my gosh and it's like you don't your worthiness is not defined by your output so first of all right? You are a worthy human being just by being a human being. And I think, I think it's good to remind people of that, right? You're, you are not of value simply based on the output that you have out there. So that's, that's number one. But then, right, like, one of the examples I'll often use in terms of like, value is how we think about how many hours something takes, right? We're like, if I worked hard, if I worked long, now it's more valuable than if I did it quickly. But like, why is that true, right? If I could help you do something in 30 minutes and now you're, let's say you're a business owner making three times the amount of money that you were making before and I did it in 30 minutes. Is that better than if it took me three months, right? Like which thing is actually better? Um, how long I take shouldn't be the measure of something because if I've been doing something for 20 years, I do it way faster than somebody who's just starting out. So why are we measuring what I'm doing based on how long it took me? And that is often what happens. So we think how long it took you is where we're measuring like how, what's your hourly rate? How are we doing all of this? But then the other piece that comes in is, so if I can do it faster because I've been doing it for a long time, the assumption becomes that I then will do, so let's say I can do it in a quarter of the time somebody else can. The assumption is that I will now want to fill up the rest of my time doing four times as much. But what if I'm like fine doing half of that because I don't want to fill up all of my time doing it, right? So we get to choose, but I feel like the way we've all been taught to move through life is we assume more, we got to do more. What's the next thing? Well, you better do more if you're, really somebody who wants to be successful you're going to work as many hours as you can whereas I think I would like to spend more time with my kids I would like to go for a walk I would like to 
know that I have some of the time during the day to handle some of the personal stuff in my life and not feel guilty about going to appointments or supporting my parents or the other things that are happening in my life or taking an art class in the middle of the day, which I get to do because I'm a business owner and I don't feel like I have to prove that I work a certain amount of hours to be successful. I really like what you said there about the messaging because I, I can definitely resonate with that where people feel like, yeah, if you're good at something, you got it done, then you got to do more. And that that is, I for anyone who's listening, I think is going to really hit them hard because I feel like that's kind of culture. Even like you said, in school, when you're growing up, you have blocks of, of learning that you had to do. You read a test and it's like, oh, if I blew, I was always, uh, like I said, the imposter syndrome, I'd look around me and be like, oh, those kids are, are they got to be smarter. So if I went through a test too fast, I'm like, oh my God, I must, maybe I nailed it. At the time, I didn't know, but I'm thinking, oh, I must not know as much as them because I, I went so fast. And that was that was kind of, I led to anxiety for sure, parts of it, because it's a terrifying thing when you're like constantly, I guess, is it a fear? Is that fair? Like you're Absolutely. We're always, I mean, I think we're trained to feel like we're not good enough and that we always need to do more and do it better. So we don't assume like, yeah, I've got this. You're like, something must be wrong. So if it's too easy, then something's wrong because hard work is better. Like, honestly, yeah. the amount of times I've had people tell me if it's too easy, like that's not as um, rewarding or like, because we've been taught to revere hard. So what was your, what led you to this? Like when you said you're your first time author, you've got a lot of life experience and you're also an, a mother of teens. Mm -hmm. what, what's your journey to this? Like uh, the business coach and then writing your book and figuring this out for yourself. So um, at 40, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And for me, it was a, just like an, a way that I was able to release a lot of shame in my life. And so I did a lot of learning. I did a lot of learning around the different way that people think, the different way people make decisions, the different way people just are. Um, and I realized that instead of trying to force myself to figure out how to be like what I thought I was supposed to be, I could just start to be like, you know what? This is how I am and that's okay. So all of my learning around is like, let's just figure out what the right way is for me. And then I started doing that for other people, right? So I'm like, what's the right way for you? And that became very much my coaching model. Like, I do not believe that there is one way to do anything. So we are always gonna try to figure out what the right way is for you. And the more that I did that, the more I would see like similar patterns of shame or like not feeling like enough or thinking they, um, you know, needed things to be perfect otherwise nobody would want it right like there's so many themes that would come up over and over and over again so as I was doing my own work and learning to accept who I was I could just see how it was a helpful message whenever I was doing it you know in my work and I was like I think I think this is a book so I wrote a book it took me a few years um but I I did the thing you got it done mm -hmm. that's pretty yeah it must be pretty rewarding yeah it is that's awesome. So there was one part in the book that stuck out at me and uh, it was kind of towards the end and it was um, the ant antphasia. Is that, am oh, I saying that? Antasia, yeah. 
So I just like I like you were talking about Tolkien and I was like, I I can't read Dickens. Like I physically can't do it. I'm just like, I just scan, scan, scan looking for dialogue. And then I was like, I totally related because I also like to go to conferences and courses. And you know, it's always like close your eyes and picture the life in front of you. And I I struggled with like not being able to see myself on the beach, just like you. So like, can you just explain a little bit more what that is? And like, for, for people like us, like that really can't visualize, how do we participate in these, you know, really wonderful experiences that we're having when we don't see what other people see? Yeah, I think part of it is letting go. Okay. So First of all, this whole aphantasia thing is, I think, a fascinating example of how we all believe that we think the same and we do not, right? So right off the bat, I realized that I cannot picture things in my head the way other people do. And this is what aphantasia is. I can't pull up visuals in my head. I can't pull up voices. I can't pull up smells. Um, A good example, even for the voices that I find people understand when I say is like when I have a song stuck in my head like it doesn't sound like the radio version it's just kind of like my inner monologue to the tune it's not like like I apparently other people can hear like it just sounds like exactly like what it does on the radio so the eye of the tiger is literally the eye of the tiger (laughs) like that is not what it's like in my head and so I I realized that it was different and there was like a bunch of articles that came out about what this was a few years ago, because it was like, almost like this is a new phenomenon. Um, We found out a few people have this. And the more conversations people have, the more people were like, "Uh, I have that. Like, it's just that nobody was talking about it. We all were like, the people who couldn't actually see something were like, we didn't think you were being literal. (laughs) Right? When you're like, picture, you know, picture a beach, we're like, okay, I'm thinking of a beach. I'm like, you see it? like in your head, you see it. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, Um, that is different. But because we weren't talking about it, it's it's difficult. It's like saying, well, describe what blue is, right? Blue is blue. Like, it's really hard to verbalize how it's different. So all that to say, I've discovered this, this aphantasia. It's, It's, people love this conversation. Whenever I bring it up, it's like one of the most interesting things I ever talk about. People are like, what? Um, because it's just, it's such a good way of demonstrating how we can think differently. So then to answer your question about like, what do we do, right? Like when I'm right, what do I do about the fact that I can't do your visualization exercise? One of the things for me was just accepting that I wouldn't be able to see anything, but maybe ideas would pop into my head and that's just as good, right? Like, so um, you know, somebody would be like, what does the beach look like? And I'd be like, I don't know. I can't see anything. I'm like, I guess it would be like a rocky beach. And I'd be like, am I just making that up? Like, I don't know. But I mean, I think that's what they're doing when they're visualizing is they're just making it up anyway, right? Like, it's not like, there's yeah. not a right answer. Is there but an element of boredom in this? Pardon? I found, I, is there an element of boredom in this as well? Like, does it lead to boredom? I find, I don't know if this is the same sort of thing, but like, I'll use like church for an example as a kid. Like, I found myself just like, okay, how many ceiling fans are in this room? Because I couldn't, again, visualize anything that was being taught to me or preached to me. I just, and then instead of like finding some other way to listen and do it, I would just be like lost and just looking around and making up my own stuff. And Well, and I think that that's, that's a good example of the fact that sometimes people who find out you have aphantasia, they'll say to me like, well, 
does that mean you have no imagination? I'm like, yeah, of course I have an imagination. I can still think. I can still think of things. I can still come up with ideas to entertain myself. I can still be like, what would I like to do? I'm going to count the ceiling tiles. I'm going to write like all of these different things. We still have lots going on, but it can be so hard to understand that other people's brains are doing something different than yours and so you walk through life thinking everybody's thinking the same thing I mean this comes back down to conversations right when you have a conversation and you feel like do you not understand what I meant like sometimes they do not understand what you meant like they literally their whole brain went through a different process than yours and you're like I don't understand how you could have come to a different conclusion because we have different ways of processing and thinking um and so knowing that really helps it helps when you're having a conversation where you're like what are you what you're like okay they're just not doing it the same as me that's okay so can this expand beyond the individual like you deal in your business coaching and all that with is it cultural too do you find like even there's like people different backgrounds different areas might have like with different learning styles than what we might have here as tradition like might you might go to explain something well it's got to be like this or is it is it more just overall at the individual level well, I'm sure culturally, there's going to be things that we're all used to, but mm -hmm. I think culturally, we've all been taught certain things. Yeah. And most of the time, culturally, each one, we have our things that things are supposed to be. And what I'm trying to just say is like, what if it's not any of those things, right? Like, what if it's just, right? Like when we go to school, we're all taught to do certain things a certain way and you sit and you listen and you have to memorize things and this is what learning is but learning can be so many other things I homeschooled one of my kids for a while and there's like this whole world of unschooling and letting people discover what they're interested in and following those interests and they learn just as much right like it's just a different way of learning and so when you accept that you don't need it to be the way that they're doing things you can go and find something else and it's potentially just as good but like let's give it a try that's part of the opportunity and I did want to say one last thing in terms of like not being able to do some of that stuff sometimes I just now opt out I'm like I don't want to do your meditation I can't visualize I'm not interested and giving myself permission to just say no to things I don't want to do is also part of this right like I'm not you know lazy for not wanting to try I'm not like you know, being disrespectful by not wanting to do something I don't want to do. Sometimes I'm just going to be like, I would rather journal. I would rather go sit and listen to the wind in the trees. That is more meditative for me. And that's okay. And interesting that you said you'd rather journal because in the book, after all of your major concepts, you have questions for the reader and and inviting them to like write down their thoughts so I think that's just really kind of telling of like how you put yourself into the book um but what's like to, to tell the listeners like engaging with the content instead of just passively really reading like you're you're inviting your audience to engage with you and what what will happen when you take that step further instead of just passively reading what I'm hoping is going to happen for people is that they start to see ways to be a little gentler with themselves and ways to find more ease in their life, right? For me, I think there's so much like, I need to this, I need to that, I should do this. And I want them to say, what if I don't have to? What if this could be easy? What if 
nothing's wrong with me the way I am now. Because what I hear so much from people, and I know that I was in this world for a long time, is I just need to fix this and this and this about me. And then watch out world. Like I just, I just have these things that are, you know, if I could only stop procrastinating so much, if I could just get more productive, if I could focus on this thing long enough for me, it's a lot of focus stuff, but it's, you know, if I could get more confident and I could do public speaking, right. People find all these things that if they could only do this, this, and this, then everything would be great, but they think they need to fix something. They think they need to wait in order to start going forward they need to find the perfect answer before they can start being and i think that most people are ready to just start something now you don't need to be all the way successful or all the way you know trained or all the way anything to start moving forward i think that there's a lot of benefit to people even like i can see in myself uh for anybody who wants to read this it's that's where i was going to get at to the next point was you said that you went through your life you know you i get got married you had kids and then you learned a certain way you were you had a career then at 40 you got diagnosed you said with adhd so that's where the next series of questions comes in how has your perspective changed even generally on life and then your work like since you started now you spent the years writing this book and uh where do you where do you see the future of your thing has it completely changed like when you started your career and then you got back into this coaching thing and now you're moving to the future have you tell us about that so there's a few pieces one of the biggest things for me was when I felt like I couldn't keep up with the expectations of the world right so I would struggle the ADHD would kind of make it difficult for me to be like I'm gonna go and do all the things I had I had three kids I had one, and then I had a set of twins two years later. So I had three kids under three. I'm also a twin mama. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you know, I, the biggest joke is I do recommend one at a time. <laughs> that would be my recommendation. Um, it's a lot. And I was tired and I was like, I can't do all the career and this and all that. So I, my the way that I looked at it was, it's okay. I had the privilege within my family to be able to stay home or work part-time. I did a little bit of both. Um, but I basically said, I am going to choose to do this instead of being successful. And it felt like, not like it is successful for me to have the privilege or the opportunity to stay home and do this and, and do this. But instead of being successful, I will this. And that's okay with me, right? That's really how I positioned it. Like I'm putting off being successful until a future date um, versus seeing it as just fine, successful to be able to do that at that point in my life. And so what's changed for me over the years is accepting that like my interests will change and that I'm going to want to do something different. So I've been a coach for seven and a half years, like almost eight years. Um, and I'm not going to stop coaching, but also I'm doing a little bit less of the business coaching focused stuff. I'm writing a book. I'm talking to people, not just business owners about things. I think that um, I will probably be doing some more speaking that is not just for business owners. I want to do some, some kind of program probably for people who are not business owners. So I'm not like, some people would feel that like pivoting and going in a different direction is like, oh. There she is. She's flaky, changing her career every 10 minutes. 
versus me being able to say, no, like, isn't it wonderful that I have the opportunity and the ability to change what I'm doing to keep focusing on things I enjoy? And that's a lot of what uh, I've embraced is being able to say like, this isn't a problem. I don't have to accept, I guess I'm just flaky. So I'm going to do this now. I'm like, no, uh, you know what? I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that when I'm ready to do something different, I don't need to feel guilty and bad about it. I can just be like, this is what I want to do now. And I also think it's good modeling. There's a lot of people who need to see it's okay to do something different. A lot of the things that I talk about, including my ADHD, people are like, oh, you're very brave to share stories about that. And for whatever reason, it doesn't feel difficult for me. But I know that it's important because of all the people who then like private message me or send me email and they're like, oh, can you tell me this? Help me with this, right? People need to hear stories and they need to see people doing things differently because it helps them feel like it's okay for them to do that too. I also like the way your approach is very relaxed in the sense that you're saying a lot of things that people are afraid to, like, as you said, speak up on, like on their behalf. We came from uh, blue collar, hardworking people. Um, our parents were absolutely fantastic, gave us the door uh, opportunity for us to go and pursue post-secondary education. But not long before them, they were blue collar farmers. And it's like, you, you're lucky to have this food on your table. If you have a career, you're lucky to have it. And it's kind of like, they're not guilting you and by by like trying to say that but it's kind of like that's in your head it's like oh i've made it this far i better i better be be happy and just to kind of hear you say like no you don't have to do that you know you can you can enjoy yourself it's resonated a lot with me and i think anybody listening that's why i was going to ask you next it's a very difficult question so please uh, i'm putting you on the spot but if you had one particular kind of message either about your book or just in general what you shared for us today that you could share like, what's one thing you want people to know about your thing? And, you know, whether it's through your book or just your coaching or just your life experience, a message to the audience, let's say. You well, said I a lot of good ones so far. Yeah, well, and I mean, the biggest one for me is that you don't have to change who you are as a person to be successful. You don't have to change who you are to be able to do things in the world. And I really think so many of us have been taught that if you could, you need to be a certain way and things need to look like a certain thing for them to be successful or for you to do something. And I just don't think that's true, right? Like, I think, I don't think it's true about the way kids go to school. I don't think it's true about the way work is. I don't think it's the way, you know, we think about money, like there's so many different things that we can decide can be different and we don't need to change who we are to be able to do them. Um, and that's, it's like a message of self-acceptance beyond anything else, right? Like maybe you're going to want to tweak things. Maybe you're going to want to, you know, change your goals. But most of all, if you can stop being so hard on yourself for not being as good or as clever or as hardworking as you want it to be like if you can just let some of that go it really it really helps just give you more happiness more I mean not even and just being more content right like we spend so much time being like why am I not this why am I not that why can't I do this if only this if we can let go some of that noise some of that negative self-talk it really it's very freeing. Yeah, as somebody who uh, is pretty much anxious 24-7, it's really nice to hear that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I mean, we, we read the book, so we know that you've shared a lot and you've shared a lot here today. Um, but what's one thing that people don't know about you? Is there something like, I don't know, your secretly love Hallmark movies or something that people would maybe be surprised to know about you? That's a good question. I share so many things that it's- well, Yeah, not... you said you did an art class in the middle of the day. Like uh, you sound like you have some pretty good hobbies. I do so. <laughs> so I'm I'm a hooker. So I'm a rug hooker. But that's oh. the fun thing. There's all the double entendre. So I'm a rug hooker. Um, and I spend a lot of time. And I love every Monday. I spend two hours. Um, my rug hooking teacher, her uh, business is called Hooking Outside the Lines. So I'm just going to put that up. But I get to spend a couple of hours every Monday with a lot of ladies. And we just talk about our hooking. And how does that, how does that work I don't, for those of us that are not familiar with uh, rug hooking? Yeah. So yeah, you're just pulling little loops. So you have yarn or you have pieces of cloth and you pull them up through a piece of uh, cloth. And um, so I know this is an audio for most people, right? I don't, but so behind me, I have, that would be something that I made. No, we can see that. There you go. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of things. So I'm regularly just, I do landscapes. Um, I take a lot of photos because I enjoy photos, potentially because I can't hold any pictures in my head. I love taking lots of photos. Um, and so I'll take, you know, the photos of the cottage or a trip I've been on. And then I create um, a fiber version of it by pulling loops of yarn through cloth. And then it's, I find it very relaxing far more meditative than any visualization exercise somebody's tried to take me through in my life. <laughs> I need something like that to get me off my phone. I feel like I could benefit from something like that. And you said it's very relaxing and rewarding. I should look into that. Very relaxing. And there's another thing that's very similar called punch needle. And it's even easier. And uh, yeah, you just make rugs. You just thump, 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 thump. It is meditative. And then you make something at the end. It's a lot of fun. Love it. Uh yeah, I'll totally, I'm going to look into that. I like doing puzzles to relax, but I'm going to look into Punch Needle. That sounds awesome. Um, so uh, we know your book's on Amazon. Is there anywhere else we can find it? And do you have uh, your socials that you can let everybody know about? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Amazon is the easiest place to find it because you can get it from most places. Um, it is available, well, in the Ottawa Public Library, but also, um, you know, other bookstores in the States um, have it, but Amazon is the easiest at this point to get it. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Lara Wellman and on Facebook. So if you're interested in the business coaching, my business is called The Biz Studio. And so you can find me easily there on Facebook or um, I'm on Instagram as The Biz Studio or Lara Wellman. You can go find me either place. Awesome. And like we said earlier, you're not lazy. Let go of what's holding you back so you can enjoy a great life. Lara Wellman, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. It was a super thank fun. And uh, yeah, I am really appreciated everything you had to say because I think a lot of it re resonated with me. I'm certainly uh, aware that any like-minded people would feel the same. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. All the best. What's your thing? Episode 11. See you next time. So make sure to check us out, whatsyourthingpod.com. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, follow us on TikTok. Check us out. We're going to have a blast. What's your thing? What's your thing?